Hi everyone, and welcome to Crime Science. In this podcast, we explore the science of crime and the practical application of this science for loss prevention and asset protection practitioners, as well as other professionals. Welcome everybody to another episode of Crime Science, the podcast. This is the latest in our weekly update series, and I'm joined today by Tony D'Onofrio and Tom Meehan, our producers, Diego Rodriguez and Wilson Gavarino. And uh, we're just going to go around the horn a little bit, talk with you all. Um, and uh, we're preparing uh, two more special guests coming up on uh, upcoming episodes uh, and then starting to develop some others as well. So I'm excited about it. Um, we'll talk a little bit about um, LPRC real quickly. Again, we've got our Violent Crime Working Group Summit coming up in Houston, Texas. Um, we're excited about the summit and um, we're going to uh, have some hands-on exercises talking about active assailant, talking about uh, armed robbery. We're going to talk about other types of aggression, particularly in store and of course, uh, particularly uh, relevant and tragic given what happened this past weekend uh, in, in uh, an area north of Dallas, Texas uh, in the in the mall. And um, so some of this will be talked about highly relevant. And uh, we're really looking forward to you all uh, getting in there and participating with us and uh, helping us come up with better ways to work together, particularly through research and development. So go on to the lpresearch.org website, go to events. The LPRC Violent Crime Summit is May 22nd, 23rd. It is coming up. It is right around the corner. Um, and what you'll be seeing is that it'll be hosted by the AXIS team at their Experience Center in Houston. Uh, that's on Town and Country Boulevard. Um, and then right next door, there's some other things going on uh, at the Queensbury Theater there. There'll be a walk and talk terrain uh, and uh, observation exercise as well there. So we're looking forward to seeing everybody there. Uh, another special note, uh, the LPRC team uh, continues to carry on for the University of Florida team uh, in working on the NRSS, the National Retail Security Survey. Again, a survey that Dr. Bart Weitz that uh, I worked on, Dr. Richard Hollinger, uh, and going back uh, in this case to the early 90s. And the study continues uh, Dr. Corey Lowe, our research team leader, senior research scientist here at the LPRC, is spearheading the effort. Uh, he's also working with James Martin, another research scientist on our team. But what we're going to do is encourage each and every retailer that may tune in uh, or mall owner operator that may be tuning in or those that you know in your organization, please, when you get the NRSS uh, completely and accurately fill that out. We need all of us, the industry, everybody needs good and better data even on what the problems are, how they're occurring, what you're doing about it, what you need, and so forth. So the NRSS allows all of us in the industry to better and better assess what the issues are, where they're clustered by type, as well as place and time via the ARCS project as well. So the NRSS, look for it. If you don't get it, you're a retailer then please, again, reach out to us. In this case, Corey, C-O-R-Y, Corey at lpresearch.org, uh, and he can link you up and get you the right documents. So we look forward to talking about that with you and getting with you on the results later uh, when we have all those, and that'll be, of course, several months. Um, we also want to, again, bring up the progress that's being made in, in the University of Florida's Safer Places Lab 
East Side Initiative. Again, there are a cluster of stores. Uh, we're going to be working with five to ten of those. Um, we pretty much have a solid lineup here of different types of retailers. These stores are co-located within one mile of each other in this cluster. It's a relatively high crime area for for property and uh, crimes against person types offenses. Um, fairly heavily victimized area. Um, we're going to do deep dives. I've mentioned before a lot of imagery from satellite high resolution imagery to drone imagery uh, at the different altitudes and day and night, as well as using our Matterport and 3D video camera uh, and so on to really create 3D models uh, to go with our very intense uh, interactive mapping that we're doing for the area, um, getting CAP index scores and beyond. So uh, I'm, I'm really excited. We've got our guiding document, our framework, a tentative schedule, um, our uh, the memorandum of understanding draft, and all the things are in line and ready to go. It's a matter of now of getting the individual retailers on board, having a group call with, with the retailers, our research team, and the Gainesville Police Department to go through what we want to do. We'll then do a terrain walk after we've done a dive into the data that have been collected from law enforcement and from the retailers involved, as well as some anecdotal and survey information. Uh, then we'll go to the site and um, walk and talk there and then commence our action. So stay tuned for the Safer Places Lab Eastside Initiative um, coming soon to a town near you. Um, one thing that we'll be working on is, uh, I mentioned before, the concentration of effort, uh, the clustering of, of what we need, the resources, the commitment, the effort. Uh, we call it mass. And um, we'll just extend that talk just a little bit here and just for a minute or two and talk about the idea of, of focus. What we're going to do uh, will be highly focused. The ways that we're going to be looking at these things are going to be in three major, we're going to call them domains, right? One is what interventions and intervention or solution packages, treatments, can we put singularly and collectively along, again, the offender journey to crime? That, that that as they move in place and time toward a specific location to victimize somebody or that place or both, what can we put at each step and stage they need to take to be successful in their mind before, during, and after they go kinetic or commit that crime, create that harm. So that will be job one, is looking at what an individual retailer can do. You've got drugstore, convenience store, auto parts, in other words, small box specialty. We've got big box and, and uh, Walmart in this case, um, and so on. So we've got a, different types of retailers that are co-located. Uh, there are hard roads that connect them. There are also wooded paths that connect them. So we're going to be leveraging what we know about the terrain, the connected places that are involved and are not involved in the study. We're going to be leveraging that operational framework, that design, that strategy uh, to, to affect that. The second part, earlier warning, right? We talk a lot about that and better definition. So again, what sensors, oral, digital, and visual, including online sensors, do we need to align along that journey, the crime, while they're left of bang or pre-event, while they're moving toward, while they're kinetic at bang, and then as they leave and it's post-event or right of bang, what sensors can we align along there? How do we integrate those within a retailer 
within that area in between retailers. And then finally with, of course, law enforcement. Uh, so we work in a lot on that. And then the last part is going to be sharing protocols and technologies. How can we connect uh, those places better with their the mothership of each chain, that store that's involved? How do we better connect them uh, between stores in this connected area, this study area, if you will? Um, how do we better connect those places with each other at the store employee, at the store manager, at that district or market area, asset protection or loss prevention, security, uh, those players, as well as with their corporate offices. And then, of course, again, with law enforcement so that there's a sharing of, of in, intelligence and information, sharing of ideas uh, and concepts uh, and feedback on what we're doing and so forth, sharing of threats, of risks of events or problems, incidents that they're experiencing, again, between and within and so forth. So very, very ambitious project, but we are serious. This is our number one project at the LPRC and the University of Florida Safer Places Lab uh, will be working on in 23, 24, and 25. Uh, you will, as we've mentioned before, you'll see us also start to include an enclosed mall area uh, again, to work on individual place as well as collaborative and collective place or co-located place protection. And then you'll see us with an open retail center environment. So retailers that are within centers and retailers that are not, but are co-located will be the three research areas in addition to our uh, suite of six interior labs and our four square block safer places lab. Uh, so you'll see that kind of translational science happening uh, and including the real world people that need to be involved, the technologies, integrations, compute, sharing protocols, and so on. But it's going to give us a, a, a somewhat secure, protected way, a scientific way um, to gather data, protect the data, share the information, have protocols that will better safeguard, physically safeguard people as well as from uh, others that are, might try and tap into that information. So stay tuned for the LPRC Safer Places Lab East Side. So I want to go ahead, if I may, and turn this over to Tony D'Onofrio, who has been traveling the world. Tony, take it away. Thank you, Reed. Uh, let me start this week with a summary from RIS News on what are the top five U.S. grocery chains in 2023. Number one, uh, number one is Walmart. Walmart claimed the number one spot overall within their survey of a top 100 retailers with nearly a 17% share of the market, equating to $611 billion in sales. It also comes on top of the grocery market. Number two is Amazon. Amazon ranked second on the overall list, uh, as well as the grocery ranking. The company makes uh, just over 14% share of the retail market, totally an amazing $514 billion in sales. And this is a significant bump compared to last year, resulting in almost $45 million difference in sales from where the company claimed that uh, just uh, over 10% of the market in 2022. Number three is Costco. Costco ranked number four in overall retail ranking and third in grocery. He owns uh, roughly 6.5% of the market, totaling $234 billion in sales which is up slightly from last year's $210 billion in sales. 
Number four is Kroger. Kroger ranked number six in the overall list but made, up, made it in the top five of the grocery ranking. The company has managed several significant enterprise-wide investments of the past year, including uh, heavy workforce, well-being lift, and middle-mile transformation overall, celebrating $148 billion in sales and 14%, just over 14%, uh, at just over 4% share of the market. And number five is uh, Target. Target ranked number eight in the overall retail ranking, but it just cracked into the top five. They make up just over 3% of the retail market, totaling $109 billion in sales. The company has also made several strides over the past year. For example, it recently launched a nationwide drive-up return that is planning for several enterprise-wide upgrades. Uh, really interesting news in terms of how the mix between uh, some of the different segments, including Amazon and Walmart, which is more of a discounter, and Target, which is again uh, 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 a different type of a retailer, uh, making up the top five uh, highest grocery sales uh, in the United States. Switching topics, uh, let me go to The Sun, uh, and this is actually an article that was pu published in, in the U.S. Sun, and it's about the, uh, the U.S. retailer Giant Foods, which recently uh, uh, talked more about some of the challenges that they're having with theft and what they're doing about it. And this is what's really interesting to me. Giant is now limiting self-checkout kiosks to just 20 items per customer. In addition, giant food stores now will close at 10, and both rules are in response to an increase in shoplifting and crime. And in, and in one location, they're even adding security guards. A note from the president of Giant Foods in one of the stores says, quote, due to a significant increase in crime and theft that we and many other retailers are experiencing across our market, we have made several changes to our operating procedures to mitigate the impact of theft to our business. We know that these changes may cause some inconvenience uh, and may be disruptive to the experience you have used to. I assure you we are making these changes out of necessity to prioritize safety of our associates and customers." Unquote. Very interesting moves, especially limiting the number of items in self-checkout and response uh, to retail crime. And finally, this week, uh, we've been talking a lot about AI and chat GPT and what exactly is AI going to do to us. So uh, switching topics again to this final topic this week, and I'm going to go to the World Economic Forum, which reported on the top jobs that will be lost and those that will be gained because of artificial intelligence. Around 40% of all working hours could be impacted by AI, large language models such as chat. GPT-4, according to a report from Accenture. Many clerical and secretarial roles are seen to be likely to decline quickly because of AI, according to the World Economic uh, Future of Jobs Report 2023. And in fact, the top 10 fastest declining jobs because of AI are number one, bank tellers and related clerks, number two, postal service clerks, number three, this one was interesting, cashiers and ticket uh, clerks, number four, data entry clerks, number five, administrative and executive secretaries, 
Number six, material recording and stop keeping clerks. Number seven, accounting, bookkeeping, and payroll clerks. Number eight, legislators and officials. That one was interesting too. Number nine, statistical finance and insurance clerks. And number 10, door-to-door sales workers, news and street vendors and related workers. Interesting that clerks is all over that. So that's the area that, again, according to the research, is going to be the most impacted from AI. But here are the top 10 jobs that will be gained because of AI. Uh, And they are number one, uh, AI and machine learning specialists. Number two, sustainability specialists. Number three, business intelligence analysts. Number four, information security analysts. Number five, fintech engineers. Number six, data analysts and scientists. Number seven, robotics engineers. Number eight, electrotechnology engineers. Number nine, agricultural equipment operators. And number 10, digital transformation specialists. In summary, artificial intelligence is expected to be adopted by nearly 75% of surveyed companies and lead to a high churn with 50% of organizations believing it will result in job growth and 25% said it will create job losses. So in a lot of ways, uh, it's actually good news uh, in terms of the types of jobs and also what it's going to do in terms of artificial uh, intelligence going forward. So stay tuned to this podcast for more. And with that, let me turn it over to Tom. Well, thank you, Tony, and thank you, Reed. Lots to cover today, but I'm going to be brief, as I think we're all traveling out and about at trade shows. But I want to start just to, with some Department of Justice and uh, FBI information related to cyber risk and cyber threat. The FBI sees 13 more domains linked to DDoS attacks for hire. So there is this subset of groups of folks both on the dark web and the open web that are basically hackers for hire and they're offering services uh, for hacking. And one of the things that was commonly happening is DDoS for hire. So you have these groups that would be paid to do denial of service attacks, which uh, to oversimplify is just overloading a website with traffic to basically seize it up and stop it. Uh, there are a lot of companies out there today that work on stopping that and slowing that down. If you ever see a Cloudflare message pop up, it's probably because th- there's some sort of event occurring. Cloudflare is trying to slow the traffic down and identify what, in fact, is good or bad. Uh, this is a, a little bit of a change. We're starting to see the FBI and Department of Justice and, uh, in general and also um, several other agencies throughout the globe taking a, a much more direct approach on cyber crime or cyber incidences. This is good news for us because it shows that there is risk. We all know through the in through working with the LPRC is that the bad actors or deviant behavior is often driven by a lower perceived uh, uh, perception of risk. This, in fact, increases that perception of risk and minimizes the financial value for the bad actors. So this is something that I think is will continue to see. Uh, in addition to that, in the news, we uh, the FBI also was able uh, with intelligence agencies um, to take down 
some infrastructure used by the Snake Cyber Espionage Malware Group, which is uh, op- operated by the Russian Federal uh, uh, Security Services. Another example of where the federal government is actually taking action against some of these bad actors. So I think this is uh, we continue to see this trend. I think for all of us here listening, it's good. Uh, whether it be behind the scenes or out in the front, things that you know that we're seeing an, an, an actual activity that is a, a potentially limiting the financial gain for some of these bad actors as well as increasing the risk, which in turn should uh, – we should see a benefit in it. So I think definitely something uh, to be mindful of and, and keep an eye on. I wanted to switch gears a little bit um, and I, I think we've been talking about it every week and I probably – uh, probably won't see uh, it going away anytime soon is the conversation about chat GPT or generative AI because chat GPT is, um, is open AI's version of a generative AI. And what, what, what we're starting to see is this is just an every, almost every day in the news cycle. Uh, and as with all things, we're starting to actually see nefarious actors take advantage of some of the things that are occurring. For one, we are seeing both on the Android and the iOS store, um, I think there are more reports in the Android store of but chat GPT uh, apps that aren't really chat GPT. So people are going in and they're either subscribing or they're allowing access to their devices um, and they're losing information for what sometimes is a pseudo chat GPT engine that looks like a chat bot or is just not at all. And that the app is trying to solicit you to give information or get access to information on your phone. What this is really in important to kind of state is that as this continues to grow in popularity, we need to be mindful of that. You know, the the latest and greatest apps might need to uh, you, you might need to take a second glance at it. Uh, right now, if you if you search the App Store for ChatGPT, you're going to see you know a plethora of results. And you need to really understand what they do and what the benefit is of them. I think that ChatGPT is a part of our, our life these days, and I think we'll continue to see it. But much like we always say, uh, is take a little bit of an extra second to read um, the description and understand who it is, how many people have downloaded it, what, what are the reviews that are being said. Uh, and when in doubt, don't download it. Don't click on it. Just go ahead and, and take some time to research it a little bit more. We're, oh, we're also seeing um, on the App Store a continuous, uh, continuous approach of apps that are asking for access to things they don't necessarily need. So if you're on Android or Apple and you get that pop-up of this app wants access to this, you know, take a second guess. Why does an app um, need access to your contacts? Why does an app need access to your file subsystem? Why does it need access to a camera or a microphone? If those are not things that are being used, then deny it. And you really probably want to dig a little deeper and see what, in in fact, it is using. Um, I think the other thing we're starting to see is that as app, app manufacturers uh, makers understand the privacy uh, challenges that are being faced and how the phone owns. Um, uh, are, and apps are being developed and some of the security protocols that are putting in place, app developers are becoming more crafty, explaining why they want or need access to things. Um, so just be very, very mindful of it. I know we touched on it a little bit in the past few weeks. 
Uh, but this this made attention in the news once again. Timu, which is the number one app on iOS, um, really uh, almost uh, intentionally by by the looks of it and all the reporting, um, kind of disguised its parent company um, from being a Chinese company with government ties. Uh, as I've said many, many times before on here, that any app that provides you with anything for free, you are uh, the monetization of these apps. So I think one of the things to keep in mind is if it is free, someone is monetizing your data in some way if you're getting a benefit. And to keep keep, keep aware of it, um, I'm not uh, necessarily suggesting that people stop using apps, but I think it's important to recognize what the the potential challenges will be. We're also starting to see a slew of states that are trying to ban particular apps uh, as uh, illegal to download in the state. I think we're the that the verdict is out. I know that Montana just recently uh, placed a bill uh, in, in it has not been into law to ban TikTok. Um, I think that it's important to note that this is just a, a bill. It hasn't been put into law, but what that would mean is um, it would ban it and then not allow uh, it to be downloaded there. I think there are a host of countries, governments, and agencies all going down this path um, today. But I think we all have to be very mindful of what that means. So understanding what is the Belgium, the country of Belgium was the most recent to, to ban TikTok throughout the country. So I think the other thing to note here is the more attention these apps get, the more intrigued folks are and looking into them and seeing what it is. My recommendation is to just be very, very aware of what you're doing. I use social media um, every day. We do this podcast uh, every week. So, you know, understanding what the risk is, understanding why um, there is a risk and, and then making an educated decision based on your current um in your current situation, I think if you have children, it's important to note that they're educated on what they can and can't do, what what the the risk is for them, and then I think it, it's more about just that keeping that education and awareness open. Uh, another, just and this will probably be the last thing I end with is um, there has been you know, at the beginning of May, uh, the very very first week of May, there was a group of companies that got together with Washington to talk about the potential uh, of stalking by using, you know, an Android tag, an air tag, or uh, even a tile device. And so what, what's basically happening now is that the, all the makers have come together and they're looking at, this is still in the earlier stages, an approach to standardize um, an anti-stalking approach. Today, if you're using an AirTag to track a device and it is not in contact with your device in a certain amount of time, it would it starts to beep. Additionally, both Android and Apple, Apple the, has a, a much more native approach here, uh, identify you when there's a tracker in your area that isn't yours and there's a, a privacy message, basically an unknown uh, in the area. Uh, there are also apps here to identify this. So uh, what I suspect is over the next <clears throat> several weeks, we will see things change to not only make the, these devices less likely uh, to be used for a job, per people tracking, because that was not the original intention, 
but also we will uh, detect it unwanting uh, uh, trackers is what you'll start to see where there will be a lot more information out there. And then once this becomes standardized, whether it's regulatory driven or not, I think we're going to definitely see a, di a difference in how these devices work. So it's something to keep in mind with. Uh, it, it's front of mind because I often get asked, could I use this to track potentially um, solar merchandise or even displays in stores? And the answer is you could. However, this is becoming more and more challenging because these devices were used for nefarious action, uh, which in, in turn in, has the developers changing the way they approach uh, the situation. And with that, I will turn it back over to Reed. All right. Well, thanks so much, Tom, for amazing array of good information, actionable information. Um, Tom and I, by the way, have been talking about better and better ways to leverage uh you know, different types of GPS and other tracking, crowdsourced tracking of actual assets uh, for the betterment of their protection. Um, and so thank you for all that sharing there. Um, and I want to thank Tony for some amazing information as well. Uh, I want to thank Diego and, of course, Wilson for their production. Wilson, for your editing, your guidance as well. And I want to, of course, thank each and every one of you all. Please spread the word. Uh, like us and you hear all this on other podcasts um repost spread the word about crime science the podcast everybody stay safe stay connected thanks for listening to the crime science podcast presented by the loss prevention research council if you enjoyed today's episode you can find more crime science episodes and valuable information at lpresearch.org the content provided in the Crime Science Podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for legal, financial, or other advice. Views expressed by guests of the Crime Science Podcast are those of the authors and do not reflect the opinions or positions of the Loss Prevention Research Council.